Welcome to Descender from Klarna, a podcast where we deep dive into the design career topics we all think about, but don't talk enough about. I'm Rachel Rosenson, design lead at Klarna. Each episode of our show, I'll talk with different designers about how they've navigated these tricky questions and what milestones or bumps they've hit along the way. Today, we're talking about the question all product designers face at some point in their career, to be a specialist or a generalist. And we have three special guests who each have a different take to help break down this question. So first, help me welcome to the podcast, Francesco Cotolo. He considers himself more as a creator than a creative. Back in his home country of Italy, he brought brand and product together, working on both six-figure clients and national nonprofit organizations. Now at Klarna Stockholm, he takes on another collaborative challenge by leading the design system and working to get all designers speaking the same language. What's his secret to getting it done? A lot of Tetris and techno. You can find him on Twitter at cut underscore O-L-O. Hey, Francesco, how's it going? Hello, and uh, thanks for having me. Next, we have Dilara Noitze. She was a child actress on Turkish TV, but is now better known as a multidisciplinary designer who focuses on building better products, services, systems, and organizations. As a design competence group lead for product design at Klarna, she's built the Berlin design community from the ground up over the past two years, while also kicking off new products like the Klarna bank account and savings account. Before Klarna, she built products at an international scale, from end-to-end order processing flows at Foodora across three continents to scaling the products at Delivery Hero across 21 countries. Learn more about how Delara reflects on work, personal life, building design communities, and working remotely at delaranoitze.medium.com. Hey, Delara, what's the latest post you've had on Medium? Thank you so much, Rachel, for having me. I'm super excited. And the last post was about the three documentaries where designers can find inspiration from. Cool. Which was your favorite? Actually, it was Dancing with the Birds. I think there's a lot of things that you can relate to as a designer's personality from resilience, consistency, and massive amount of attention to details. It was it was very mesmerizing to see all of like the behaviors, but also the colors that's, that you can find so much inspiration in the nature. Corona has been good, I guess, for that and forcing us all to get outside and look around a bit more. Exactly. And last but not least, we have Heron Song. Heron comes from the fine art world and uses that creativity and craft to deliver meaningful experiences. She moved from South Korea to Berlin and joined the Vodafone Smart Tech team to create mobile first IOT trackers that connect you with loved ones or beloved things. More recently at Klarna, she uses her user-centric mindset and obsession with edge cases and micro interactions to innovate past the traditional banking experience. After hours, she keeps her perspective fresh with non-digital mediums like oil painting, embroidery, and calligraphy. And in case that's not enough, she's also the creator and host of the YouTube channel, Soda Design, where she creates tutorials that have been viewed thousands of times from the high fidelity prototyping tool, ProtoPie. What's up, Heron? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. We're excited to have you. So guys, I'm so excited for this topic, specialist or generalist. I feel like it comes up all the time, whether you're brand new to design or you've been in the career for 20 years. And I'm curious, what do you think of yourself as a specialist or a generalist? So, I think at first I thought I'm a generalist, but 
without noticing, I've been transitioning to specialist. And that's very funny because it was not really in a conscious decision, but it was just naturally came from the needs that I started a YouTube channel uh, called Soda Design last year that was introducing uh, some Protopie, which is an interactive prototyping tool for designers. And I started from there and I spread my love for the interactions and animation in the company. Then people started to ask me questions and I started to facilitate workshops and contributing my skill sets to cross team projects. And I think it just naturally grown to that uh, specialist area. So I'm still in the transitioning period, but I think I'm in the in-between of generalist and specialist. Super cool. And what about you, Francesca? Yeah, I'm on the opposite side of the ring. So I'm considering a strong specialist and that's happening pretty naturally. You know, I'm really a tidy person, even in my life, maybe I'm too annoying on this, but in every place that I work at, people start relying on my visual memory, on trying to set up things for other people. So I would say it was already in my veins somehow. I think we are in the middle of a cycle in the industry where people start having more generalists and then there is a period where we have more specialization. And I think we are in a period where specialization is super needed. And it happened that I'm in the right timing to get stronger and try to excel in something. I'm super curious why you think that right now is the moment for specialization to have the spotlight on. I come from a generation, well, I'm not that old, but I'm not too young, but I, I know a lot of people from the same generation as I am. They started with pure graphic design and then the webmasters in the nineties started to develop, okay, I will be an information architect. I will be an interaction designer and so on. But I think now we are in the period where we've got motion designers or a prototyper and UX designers, UX researcher, they're very well established. Maybe we lived a period where everybody was a product designer, but now I think we are starting to get again, an industry that recognize specialization. Maybe in three, four years, we will have something called full stack designers, you know. That makes a lot of sense. And what about you, Delara? Where do you see yourself on the spectrum? It's a very tough question to answer, but I have a little bit of a different track. So I, I actually studied chemical engineering to start with. That. So while I was studying, I've been missing that creative aspect of my work that I know that this is not going to satisfy me. I tried out marketing, for example, to sort of find that balance where I can still be closer to human behavior and psychology, which I was also interested. So going from there and design education later on and a lot of self-thought process along the way that brought me to UX design, I had these moments where these cross disciplines were really helping me to build a more interconnected experience. There were time periods where I really want to go into the specialist track. I see that great importance of the aspect of craft to deliver that experience to the very detail. And uh, to Francesco's point about like 
being tidy. I like to organize and structure things. Maybe it also comes from engineering. Like in one of my former jobs, I started building the foundations for design system that really amazed me to like use that engineering structure and system thinking mindset to a more creative outlet. However, over the course of time, I realized that what is my maximized output to a company to deliver value? Um, I see that those moments where you need to interconnect the experience, I see that I can really add more value. That's why I started going back into the generalist track to be able to utilize all of these different disciplines that help us to build better products. I think it also depends on the maturity of your company or your seniority, where you're at your career really shapes that. And sometimes, as you say, uh, both of you, that it happens very naturally, depending on the need that you have, uh, in my case, it was pretty natural, but also there was a moment I reflected a lot on like, how can I maximize my impact? And the more I had that opportunity to, to use those skills, the more I felt complete. So that's why I think I'm more of a generalist at the moment. Yeah, it's a choice that we have to make sooner or later. I'm curious about that choice, though. What does that look like? One day you have this eureka moment and then your process changes or or what was that transition like? I think that sort of came out on working in multiple projects over the course of my career where a project was very visual heavy, but also needed to do a lot of systems thinking. Whereas like in some projects, the overall problem space was very complex that requires a lot of like understanding of the technology or understanding how the sales systems work. But I think it really depends on the project as well, because certain projects require in-depth understanding and good level of craft. Whereas the other one is more about understanding how things interact with each other and how these things are working and who is behind that. So in those stakeholder relationships, I had a chance to, to reflect a bit more. And at some point, as you say, there is this moment, should I be leading? Should I be multiplying my impact through thought leadership? Should it be more technical or should it be more influencing through other ways? I read a lot of blog posts uh, from the industry leaders that I really respect either through their craft or through their leadership. And I found much closer to my heart that I would like to be closer to the business language and being able to impact through that. Yeah. Where to turn to when you're figuring this out is certainly something a lot of designers yeah. struggle with. I'm curious, Heron, since you're more recently going through this transition in the past year, where do you feel like you're at in that process? Yeah, it's a perfect topic for me because I'm in this transitional period, like where am I standing for my design career? I actually majored this fine arts field. I self-taught myself to be a designer, but in the beginning, since I don't know anything, I just learned everything. So I was curious, the start was I wanted to build my own website, so I started to learn coding. And then after that, I went to some graphic design turn and then I really hated to cut all those paper and I was like, okay, I cross out the, the, the editorial design, so I'm going to go digital. <laughs> I started to start with a, a little bit of UI and then I started to learn UX and I just learned everything I could. So that's a little bit of starting point of being a generalist because you're like zero ground, like a baby mindset. I would have promoted myself that I'm a designer who will make job done. <laughs> Anything you want, I'll learn it and I will uh, try to help anyone. But at some point, I just saw myself working day and night 
24 hours because I will be available for the work that has been given and I want to make it perfect. And the life balance has been destroyed a little bit. <laughs> and then that was the turning point. And I started like, okay, let's do a personal car sorting map. <laughs> so I have this annual rituals that I map all the skill set and I mark out of five where I am at. And I saw so many empty spaces. And then I thought, hmm, if I want to master all the skills in a good level i'm gonna really burn out myself and then i just started to like sometimes it's good to have good enough and i started to think a lot like okay where's the area that i can be very excited to work on daily basis and also where can i start to help people more in the things that i know so in the very first generalist phase i just started to learn for myself to make a great product for the business and the users that i'm uh, building for. But when I started to mature in my career phase and to think about life and work balance, it made me a little bit narrow down the deliverables. I can help myself and also the people. And that's where I started to be a specialist. So there's this comment on breadth and depth, which I think when people often talk about the T-shaped designer, and for those who aren't familiar, if you visualize a capital T, you can think that, hey, I go broad and I can do a bit everywhere, but then I have this one area of depth. And I wonder, as a specialist and as a generalist, how in those areas where you're not going to go for depth, how do you still make sure that you're good enough or that you're up to date or can still deliver some level of quality? Francesca, since you are a specialist in the really visual sense, I'm curious, do you feel pressure when it comes to UX or using research in your work? Or are you really investing all of your time in just being the absolute best visual designer you can be? Mm -mm. I, I, I will start with maybe the most stereotypical and boring affirmation that I can get. And that's design is not unified. Design is rich. It has a lot of problems and reactions and behaviors. It's like, yeah, humans. I will be a UI designer and I will never get in any business problem or in any user testing. That's impossible to do. So every designer should be comfortable with going outside. It's always a challenge that afterwards you will be able to connect the dots with what you learn or maybe with your mistakes. I was a super generalist until maybe five years ago. I joined a creative agency in Italy that basically went from 10 people to 200 in in less than two years and we started as a team of two designers and doing everything from banners from uh, newsletters to ui to uh, mobile products and that helped me to go outside from my zone it could be scary sometimes the things that i hate most is doing user testing it's honestly speaking i, I feel that i really like to some parts of doing really good user testings and when it comes to, okay, I have to do that, it's, of course, scary and uncomfortable and feeling a lot of imposter syndrome. We want to get back to things that we like or we are good the most. But yeah, specialization is just a place where we are the most like an apartment or like a home, but we need to go outside. I love that description. So then... As a specialist who feels uncomfortable with user research, how do you deal with it when that need comes up? 
Well, I always hope that uh, some others uh, will take in the, the, the task, the assignment. But now, joking aside, yeah, I always try to simplify the problems. Let's try to rationalize what we need to do. What is the goal we need to achieve? What's the message? Also? So in that case, we can try to get back to basics and try to not screw it up. From my perspective, design can have different medium. It can be anything from digital product design to organizational design or hiring a framework design. For me, being able to find different ways to apply that sort of mentality of how we solve problems, this like whole problem solving aspect of, of design that I find very passionate to tackle. I use what I love about design in the hiring process or when we were structuring our training programs or facilitating workshops. How do we design those things and how do we design content and also being able to measure and getting feedback. Really the aspect of being comfortable with ambiguity, but really use it as a tool to get to clarity. I think that aspect makes me really uh, motivated to stay in design. It makes a lot of sense. You can design anything and I find often creative people have more than one outlet or that they can view non-creative problems in a creative sense. And that helps lower the fear of walking into a field that you're not as experienced in or not as comfortable. You can apply the process that you have built that confidence in to this new topic. Absolutely. I guess regardless of your being a specialist or generalist or a T-shaped profile, I think curiosity and Willing to make sense of things is a very foundational skill that every designer should have. It can be more in a craft sense. It can be more in a process and organizational design. But that core, I think it's, it's very common. It's a very great point. Uh, it's really foundational aspect, right? So even though you're a specialist or a generalist, it's important to be having those foundational skill sets because especially we're in this age of rapidly growing tech scene that we need to work with complex projects and with a cross-functional team. And that really depends on the comp company's maturity, but as well as the product stage, is it a startup, then you need to do everything by yourself. So naturally you have to be a generalist to meet those needs. But on the other hand, uh, for example, at Klarna, the product is mature enough that now we are in the stage of aiming for quality and a lot of details are required. So that kind of enable as a designer to do things that was not possible in the previous projects. I'm a very collaborative person while I'm being a generalist, but the more I become into this specialist track, I really feel like collaboration is so important uh, because you need to learn from others and you need to promote what your role is as a specialist, what you can help them. With. You need to communicate it very well because you don't want to step on others' toes because it's not that you're better than someone else. It's just you're specialized in certain areas. The more you get into this track, I think the collaboration becomes a very important factor to be successful to yourself, but also to others around you. Yeah, I, I really see what you're saying, Erin. And maybe I will say that even the most generalist person, if they're just into design and not taking care of other things like what are the business needs? What are the user needs? I'm just creating some aesthetic stuff for the sake of beauty. Still got some constraints. 
that's always driven me crazy about design schools, that there is no class on how to work with non-designers or how to work with a PM, how to work with an engineer. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of designers have such cold water thrown in their face when they get into their careers and see what is the team that they're actually working in and what are the actual challenges that you face in your career. Hmm. I, it's also related to developments. Like before I couldn't imagine to spare time to focus on collaboration or communications because to learn so many tools like programming or designs, it's just not enough bandwidth to do both. But I think with this evolvement in technology, it's a lot of things are just possible more. I guess it's a behavioral shift, how we design as well with the technology, even like the day-to-day -day tools that we have, they were very siloed and had a particular purpose. And with technology, everything is accessible from everywhere. So this interconnectedness also sort of made us to be more collaborative because it's required to understand how we will connect those experiences. So that is, I think, a natural thing. And I completely agree, Rachel, with that when it comes to education. Why don't universities or different departments collaborate on projects of their undergraduate studies? And why don't we collaborate with an art school and they can try to visualize this complex information and being involved with real uh, data or real content as opposed to doing maybe imaginary projects? I think there is a lot of room for improvement there with cross-collaboration on an educational level as well, which probably might change a little bit. Like this whole exclusivity in, in education, I hope that it will evolve over time. I hope so, because it's so mutually exclusive. Both an engineer and a designer can walk into an interview and show, look, this is an app I actually built or I actually designed, and you help each other by bringing these products to life. It's such a standout, especially in the start of your career, if you don't have as much real-world experience. I'm curious why programs today don't do it because it's hard for me to see the cons in it. Absolutely. I think it probably is going to take some time. It's a big change. But I think design schools are, are, are a huge part of this generalist versus specialist. I saw that a lot of, of design schools and they ended up just brain dumping software notions. I, I, I actually been part of it for a while. Those Adobe training center were, okay, we'll just teach you the entire, uh, creative suite at the time it was called the master collection, but I remember, okay, two and a half year, a person will just learn about photo editing and vector drawings and, 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 and video editing. And, and today we are seeing a high, highly specific courses for UX writing or, or motion design. They sold so well because, okay, in six weeks, two months, we will go in super vertical because that's the industry is asking for. I sometimes see that it's a result of this fast-paced environment, but I, I would come back to having a foundational education where you try to learn teamwork, collaboration. I think those were the things that I, I learned a lot when I was studying, even though it was not designed in my undergraduate studies, but problem-solving mindset, structure, how do you teach yourself all of these softwares and discipline, I think those are very important skills that sometimes it takes time and repetitiveness to get there. And it should be mixed up and shouldn't be just like say that, okay, you will be in six weeks ready for that. But what happens when we don't have interfaces anymore? So you don't really get those 
fundamental skills in place to evolve because we also need to adapt. And this is also one of the, I think, skills that designers uh, would have is the adaptiveness to the changes that we have and feel comfortable with that uh, change. I can totally relate to that. <laughs> Since I was having a background of art major, usually like artists being in the corner on his own bubble, <laughs> making this whole world of yourself. And since I was from their background and with a little bit of aspect of being perfectionist, that didn't really help me to be collaborative. And I tried to read all the books, how to be collaborative, but <laughs> in reality, no one understands what I'm talking about. And I did a lot of mistakes. Sometimes I was squeezing out some people like, oh, I really need this. We need that because I didn't mind working in the late hours and I didn't respect, I think, that people have life because I didn't have life that time. <laughs> and I think there's no detour on that. You just need to really go with the people, talk with people. This cannot be taught in the books. I hope I'm better collaborator now. I'm really focusing on how can I be a very great colleague to work with aside of the, the skill sets. And what changes do you see in your process? I think one of the thing is first, how do you communicate? Because that's the first step of collaboration, right? So even for the meetings or the start of the project, what's the goal of today or understanding the level of the audience. Also, I started to think a bit more like a diversity or being a bit sensitive with uh, a lot of social aspects. Like, am I being a bit of offensive or am I being inclusive enough when I talk with someone? So I think the baseline is having a great uh, communications and then when you try to collaborate having some clear steps and so setting an alignment on expectations until when this has to be done so you're being mindful of their schedules and then we have a little bit of set of goals that what we want to achieve also you give a credit to those uh, who was really doing outstanding work so trying to focus on others uh, who is involved in the team. I'm trying to practice on it, <laughs> but let's see how it goes. So you've talked about how important communication is, and you've also talked about pitching yourself as a specialist. I'm wondering how you explain or pitch yourself as a designer, as a specialist or a generalist. First of all, is that distinction part of how you pitch yourself? And if it is, how do you explain that? And what are those conversations like? Hmm. I would say that I don't intentionally make that description for myself, but there were certain situations where I introduced myself as multidisciplinary, versatile, to give the context of there are a variety of skills that I can contribute to the business. And I enjoy doing that because that also sort of completes me and tells me who I am. But I think it's not always coming as a description, but also when you have, for example, an interview and you talk about how you approach certain processes or in a situation that is more conflict related or teamwork related. Whereas when you talk about the product decisions, it shows itself a bit more in there where you see yourself that you're more effective and what kind of impact that you made. So it's a combination of both. Yeah. I think the sellability of our figures, it's always a huge topic. I have a great example at this, this, this agency, and we grow up a lot individually. And of course, as a company, and when we started to structure it, the design department, we created a little framework that really helped us to structure, okay, those are the figures, those are the area we like, we have some lacks, and those are the figures that we need to bring on board. 
we were four at the time. So we started to, yeah, separate the entire design process in four areas, strategy, execution, technology, and design control. And we started to fill those four areas, like the usual bar charts that all of us put in our resume at least once in our lifetime. So we started to try to be self-aware of our who we were individually. So, okay, I am good in product strategy and maybe in design technology. So maybe I'm a designer likely going to enjoy build a full user experience. Maybe I can lead the UX or maybe I'm an interaction designer with a lot of design technology on my background. So maybe I can run the end over with developers because I have a great technology background. And highlighting those bar charts, put one on top of the another. We will, okay, maybe we, we can go to the top management and say, okay, we need a, an experienced director because we really lacked in those areas. So. Try to adjust the areas individually, as a team, as a competence. I think it's the best way to maybe being self-aware of the strengths and the weakness of, of us. It's always a good start to then, okay, I will go in that way or I will go in this way as a generalist, as a specialist. I will be a specialist, but what kind of specialist? Self-critique is always a good start. That sounds very similar to Heron's reflection exercise as well. It seems this idea that sometimes you don't realize it's happening, but then once you start putting things in black and white, maybe it feels a bit more obvious. It's not always clear until you go through these reflection processes and see what kind of naturally starts coming up. I think so. Even though I'm transitioning to specialists, I can also imagine those as Francesco mentioned this bar. I think that ties to some official career tracks in the company. I think it depends on the setup uh, from the company that you're working at. Are they providing some parallel track that you can be an individual contributor track versus manager track? For those who doesn't want to be a manager, means they can go to the upper ladder and elevate your skills as a uh, uh, master of certain um, field. So I'm currently looking deeply onto this topic. Where do I want to evolve at and how can I maximize the impact in this company? Also, not only as a personal mindset, but also communicating this with the company, like where do I stand in this company? And that will help actually you to represent yourself better or promote yourself a bit in an easy manner. Sometimes when the, the org becomes a larger unit, then sometimes it's convenient to have those defined roles. I would like to add to that. I think it's a big responsibility of leadership, either design leadership, but also organizational leadership to really emphasize on those different tracks and their impact is going to be in the company and have some sort of an inclusive mindset when it comes to what are the growth opportunities and what are the materials that we provide them to grow into that track. It is really hard to, even for a person now is leading a team and closer to the managerial path. I oftentimes had this anxiety of like, I don't really want to be hands off, but how much should it be? Should it be on my day to day? Maybe I'll just do like a weekend exercise on things, which I'm trying to do so that I will be relevant because 
in creative leadership, you need to remember what energizes you in the first place to choose that field. You know, this nerdiness and these conversations that you should still be part of. It's a very thin balance also for me. Like, I also miss that part, but what's the best fit for me to maximize my output in the company, but also keeps me motivated to stay in the field. I'm also curious then when thinking about the management track, I feel a lot of des product designers can be asked, do you want to be a PM or do you want to go into design management? Because I do feel like maybe it's some of the same professional characteristics. I'm curious as someone who's gone into the management track, if you ever considered that as well. That's a very good question. I actually did. And uh, I've been also called that once. I think that sort of product sense, I, I felt that it's very overlapping with my design process, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I should move into PM track because I think those lines are very blurry depending on what kind of product that you're trying to build and what your target audience is. It depends on the problem spaces. What I see that as a difference between design management to product management is how do you make impact through? So is it more on bringing cross-functional units together, but maybe not thought to be in hands-on in certain discipline knowledge? My heart really belongs to design. And what I really like about management track is that being able to see the potential of being able to influence people through your experience, but not necessarily through your primary touch to the product and being able to see the influence on other people and how their outcome has developed. It takes longer time to see the influence, but the reward is quite big for me. That's great to hear. It seems like there's all these opportunities that you don't see when you're at the start studying your career, but also it's not obvious when you're outside of a company looking in on what kind of growth opportunities are actually available. I'm curious what advice you might have to people applying for jobs or how to help people better assess what opportunities might be within a company outside of maybe just what a job description is telling you. It's a very great question. During those interviews, I tried to always ask the question of where do you see your career growing more into and what are the things that you haven't liked in your career before? I try to be more specific when it comes to the, the career talk in our process where I try to dig deeper more into what kind of things that excites them and even very basic questions. After a few years, if you're sitting in a bar or a restaurant with a group of your friends, what would you say? Like, I'm so excited and proud of being part of this or to try to have a bit more of a personal touch to where do you see yourself in five years, but more to, to understand what excites them. And then based on their answer, I try to formulate that, okay, in our business unit, what can be a potential next step for that person? Maybe involving them into more complex projects or maybe projects that requires more facilitation if they are really into running and rallying the teams around themselves. Or somebody is focused on video productions or visuals, maybe we can collaborate on project with the product marketeers. Um, so it gives me at least some sort of a, a recipe for growth. Totally. And for the specialists among us, I'm curious, how would you assess a company that they really get what kind of work you have to offer and what kind of environment you want to be working in? I, I think, yeah, the, the, the main takeaway, uh, and I will totally agree with, with Dilara, with the idea of just give me the prospect or, or at least a blueprint of 
what can I become? And that's his value for small companies, medium companies, huge companies. Yeah, I think from my side, I can recommend also for the ones who are looking for a job is to actively asking also the interviewers. Sometimes it feels nervous to ask any questions if I'm asking any stupid questions, but I think it's important also to check out the company that you're going to work with that because it's also showing your interest and that also the company would uh, appreciate that you're having interest to ask those questions. And some of the questions that what I would ask is how can I grow in this field? So it's that not only from vertical perspective, but horizontally can I grow? So not only a ladder towards manager or IC tracks or seniority, but if you want to work for different projects, is it flexible? Can you actually uh, challenge yourself in a different part of the, the problem space? So I will ask a lot of active questions on that. It's so true. It's obviously nerve wracking when you're interviewing for a role, but it's also really important to take that moment to also interview that company for you because you want to make sure it's the right fit that you want to be at for a while and that you would be really happy. And I think sometimes the nerves or maybe a competitiveness to land the role makes people blinded to the fact that it, it is a two-way street of evaluation on both ends. I also have to mention <laughs> the fact that, to be honest, when I first started job here, I actually planning to move after one year <laughs> because it's just easy to grow in the new environment. You learn really a lot. It's just totally after I started working at Clown, I just changed my mind because I just saw the room for growth. I can imagine myself if I'm really tired of working on my problem space. I can imagine to move to another domain, to work on different topics. I was also someone who changed roles every two years. And yeah. I think... As we talk about the importance of reflection in yourself, changing roles, I did feel like I was growing a ton because I could look at my portfolio and think about, oh my God, I worked in all these different ways and on all these different concepts and that's really cool. But there is such a high level of distraction when you change companies because for six months, you're just getting used to things. Mm -hmm. And then it takes another six months to really feel like you're delivering. And so when you're constantly changing, I think you invest more energy on adjusting to a company than you do on learning what do I care about in design and what is my personal process. Mm -hmm. And when you're at a company for longer, you do establish that voice in, mm -hmm. in a deeper way. I mean, that is a two-way street, right? We see that it's important for reflecting on like what we value the most, but also companies need to enable that growth because people are also not leaving without a reason. So once you see that growth opportunity, then you realize how important it is. But in the other setup where you don't have that chance, you don't even get to a point how important it is to get to that level, as you just described. That's why it is important to, yeah, maybe instead of saying improve, it's more about growing. As you mentioned, Rachel, it's really exhausting. So if you keep moving around, you don't really understand the, the full depth of the topic. So I think just moving also kind of influence you. If you actually start to stay and you really believe in the product that you can innovate or you can make it better and you stick with it, there's so many stages in products, right? You can be developing from new product to redesigning the, the existing one. And I think just being there, just sticking with it, just also enables you to grow in a specialist path. Totally. We've talked about so many great things. It seems like this common thread is 
is this the right environment for me? Am I working on projects I'm super excited about? Is this the kind of way that I enjoy working? If someone was sitting down to do a reflection exercise on should I be a specialist or a generalist and where do I want to invest more of my time? What's the question that you would ask yourself? So how I did with my annual exercise was I started to research on what's out there. So I think it's important not only just looking into yourself, but also having a bit of macro view to see. So what's the current trend? So I will research on that first and then map out some of the, the questions to myself. What is my value? What's my mission as a designer? What makes me happy? And what can I make a trade-off? Can I sacrifice this over that? So I will make some list of priorities and then you can be objectively score yourself and clarify something that was always into your head. The reason why I did this exercise was I saw many questions and it was exploding my head and having those priorities and metrics actually helped me to decide to narrow down the scope. Those are great points. I think at that maybe just the fundamental question of what makes you feel complete and what energizes you on a day to day and what actually takes up your energy uh, compared to the other ones. And my question could be, what, what are you working at the last time you see the sunrise? This center is sponsored by the design team at Klarna. It is produced by Francesco Cutolo, Mina Engelmark, Anusha Yusen and Rachel Rosenson. To learn more about the regular career paths on the Klarna Design Team, head to klarna.com slash careers. A special thanks to Carl Riemer for our cover art and Hadrian Eggström, aka Adenima, for our music. If you want to check out more of his music, go to tinyurl.com slash Adenima. Got questions you want to hear from other designers? Write us at descender at klarna.com. See you next time.